Middle schoolers are dismissed to their class at this time. Please stand for the reading of God's word. The scripture this morning comes from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son, in whom he delights. This is God's word. All right, we got to work on that. <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about. What do we say after that? All right, that's good. Uh, well, good morning. I want to invite you to pray with me just once more. Um, we, we can never pray enough. Uh, Father, we ask that you would help us not to be wise in our own eyes, but to um, find uh, your son on the pages of your word in Proverbs. Uh, would you help us, Lord, to grow uh, in wisdom? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, let there be light. So, is this the prosperity gospel? I see a few shaking heads. Um, because reading Proverbs 3, 1 through 12, flat out, right, it sure sounds like the prosperity gospel, that if you trust God, then he's going to give you health and wealth and prosperity. Um, is that what Proverbs is teaching us? Close your Bibles, just close them, and let's go on home. And, uh, you know, if we just do these things, these, uh, these uh, few things that are mentioned in Proverbs, uh, then we are going to have a healthy, wealthy, and successful church and uh, we no longer need Jesus, and so we've, we've done it all. Um, hopefully, right, you, you sense the, the sarcasm in that. Hopefully, you tell I'm joking. Uh, I don't believe that. Um, but uh, I, I'm trying to make it lighthearted because, uh, well, the prosperity gospel is no joke. Um, there are millions of people, whether it's uh, watching TV uh, with a pearly white smile or being evangelized to in a third world country, Um, sadly and tragically, uh, people are hearing and believing the message that this is Christianity. And you want to know the worst part about it? This is the worst part about that. It's that it's a really shallow message. And and it it makes too little, not too much, too little out of God. Reminds me of C.S. Lewis, he once said in his book, The Weight of Glory, it's a beautiful little book, he said, 
it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. Then he says this, we are far too easily pleased. I love that because we are far too easily pleased. We think that, that um, these things are satisfying. And so, but, but, but right, these, these basic ideas though, health, wealth, and prosperity, they do emerge from the passage in front of us this morning. And so we have to think about them. But I want us to rethink, I want us to reconsider, right, our relationship to each of these things. So I want us to look at this morning health, wealth, and prosperity, and just I want us to focus in on those ideas, and, and hopefully we'll, we'll learn a lot today by looking at that. So health, Pro- Proverbs 3, verses 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and years of life and peace they'll add to you. And then uh, let's, let's just skip three and four for now. We'll go back to it. Uh, verse five goes, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. How many people have memorized that one? Like, wow, it's a lot of memorization going on. Yeah, a lot of people know that one. It's like a bumper sticker too. Um, but did you hear that? Um, oh, hold on. And then it says, verse 7, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. I mean, think about that. You can get more years added to your life, and your bones can be refreshed by listening to this. Makes you want to listen to it more, huh? Uh, sounds like we better listen, but it also sounds like it's talking a lot about what? Physical healing, health, right? And, and we understand health. As we think about health, right, everybody knows that if you want good health, you should be getting a certain amount of daily exercise, right? We should be eating certain foods and avoiding other foods. And uh, if you're a smoker, you should probably quit smoking, right? Like those are all things that everybody knows. It's common wisdom, right? And like the path to good health, though, uh, it, it's not hard for people to know about it. What's hard is following, you know, sticking to the program. It's February. I don't know if you knew this, but, you know, January, a lot of us probably committed to a certain diet or workout plan. How's that working for you, right? At this time, it's like, oh, <laughs> starting to, my exercise has not been working out too well. So, uh, you know, um, the, the, the problem is, is that we eat the whole cheesecake, uh, we don't just stop at one Oreo cookie, right? Or we can't just have, like, if after church there's red vines, I can't just have one red vine. Just can't. It's, it's a sin. No. Uh, you just should not do that. One cannot simply. No. Uh, so do you know, though, what, what throws a wrench in this entire thing? What completely combusts this thing? It's when... You think about this, when, when the half marathoner or the five-year-old or the cyclist or the crossfitter or the health nut that you know, right, all of a sudden they get diagnosed with cancer. All of a sudden, 
All of a sudden, somebody has a heart attack. All of a sudden, a person's doing all the right things, and they still are struck with affliction, right? Doing the right things, they're still anxious. Doing the right things, they still get sick. And so that's the problem, I think, right, with, with reading a proverb like this, right? And then we look at our experience in life, right? What happens when, when doing the right thing is not enough? What happens if you're doing the right things and you're suffering anyway? And I, I think that's where the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel just to- totally tanks, right? It goes to pot. Uh, it no longer works. Uh, and it doesn't cut it, um, we know from experience, right, that doing the right thing, praying enough prayers, that doesn't always yield the kind of results that we want, right? And that's a good thing. I mean, I'll just think about this for a second. Can you imagine if every single one of your prayers were answered in the way that you prayed them originally? Life would be like, it would be like Bruce Almighty up in here, Right? It would be crazy. I mean, I think about all of the prayers that I've prayed, and so many of them were contradictory at different points. At one point, you're praying for something, and then later on, you get more information about something, you might pray the opposite. Uh, so imagine how chaotic the world would be if everybody's prayers were answered. I could just say I'd probably have 500 divorces because when I was a teenager, right, I, uh, I pretty much wanted to marry every girl I looked at. So, I mean, it's a good thing that God does not answer every one of our prayers. That's a great thing. Um, all right, so as, as we're reading Proverbs, as we're looking at this, we, we know it takes even wisdom to read these words. And as, uh, as we're reading this, right, the really important thing we should be paying attention to is not how to have our, our best life now and how to make God, right, to force his hand to make him give me the life that I want to have for myself Right? But instead, it's saying to us, I need to trust God. And I want you to look at that word trust. Right? The, uh, if you memorize it, great. Uh, trust in the, in the Lord um, with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Right? The, the, the word trust here in verse 5, it means like to literally throw yourself down in front of God. Like lying face down is the, the meaning here of that kind of trust. If you want to get an example of that, you should go to Israel. I've heard uh, through uh, a family member who's been, uh, right? You go, you go before the Jerusalem wall, and you see people lying face down. Um, that's, that's the kind of thing that it's talking about here. It, 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 it's, it's, it's a kind of trust, right, that's lying prostrate, that, that's not just half-hearted, right, but it's all in. And so what does this look like practically, um, when we think about health. Well, if I trust in my health, I'm going to be sadly disappointed at some point when I'm not healthy for some reason. Whether it's because I didn't eat right, right? Probably deserved that one. Uh, you know, if I, got, if I ate the whole cheesecake, I probably deserved to feel like I should lie on the couch for a few hours, right? Um, you just feel lethargic. Um, so I kind of deserved that one. But... Um, if, if I didn't eat right, or I didn't work out enough, or, uh, or if I just got sick, I got terminally ill. Uh, at some point, every single person who has ever lived is going to have health fail them at some point. 
So wisdom says, trust not in your health. Health is a terrible God to serve. Health will let us down. And anybody who tries to be justified, who seeks justification through health, will die. Um, I just share uh, from, from personal experience, I'm no stranger to having health issues. And yes, I know I'm a young guy, shouldn't have health issues, but I do. No stranger. And uh, don't trust in your health. Far from being a, a cry to idolize health, our, our, our passage this morning, right, it shares, it teaches us something different. Right? We, we might be trying to justify ourselves by our health. We might be seeking justification. But the gospel tells us, even though my flesh and my heart may fail, uh, as Psalm 73, 26 says, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Right? Totally changes our vision. Totally recasts what we idolize and throws us upon the mercy of God. And so the gospel changes the idol of health and it makes us trust God with our health. Now, this doesn't mean that we're not supposed to take care of our bodies, right? Um, I throw my hands up in the air. God's got this. I'm going to eat that cheesecake. That's not what, um, what we should be getting out of this one. Um, of course, the gospel changes how I relate to that cheesecake. And I know my limits, and I probably should stick to two slices, maybe three. <laughs> um, it's that fourth one that'll get you, you know. Um, someone once said, humility, though, is, is knowing your limits right? and getting help. That's, that's wisdom right there. Um, getting the help you need. And so somebody who's trusting God is not going to be wise in their own eyes. They're going to be humble. Uh, they're going to see that they need to take care of their bodies, right? The, 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 the body that God has given them, even as God is taking care of them. And so I'm not saying don't be healthy, <laughs> um, but don't bow down to the God of health. The only fitness God requires of us in the gospel is that we feel our need for God. Okay, so the second idea that we see emerge from this, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, uh, sorry, ch- Proverbs chapter 3, I was, I was thinking about verse 1, I don't know why I said chapter 1, so, um, chapter 3, uh, I want to look at verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, and with the first fruits of all of your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Wealth. Huh. I'm not going to spend uh, a ton of time on this one because uh, already this year I think we've hit on wealth quite a bit. Um, but I do want to say a few things. And I think it's really interesting as, as we reflect on verses 9 and 10. It's really interesting that Jesus uses an example of this literally, right? In in the parable of the rich fool, he talks about this. And I brought up this parable before, but I'm going to bring it up again. Because he he brings up this rich fool, and, and he has this, it's like he was praying Proverbs. And he has this proverb answered, right? And it's not a good thing. So, um. He's not honoring the Lord with his wealth. He keeps it all to himself. And then, right, he, he, he literally has the barn, 
and he fills that barn up, and then what happens to him? Yeah, I heard of, what, what is that? What does that mean? He dies, right, yeah, so he doesn't have the wealth anymore. Uh, and so, um, right, the love of money, uh, as we hear elsewhere in scripture, is the root of all evil. Money can be used for good and for evil. Money often showcases what's most true about ourselves. Uh, so if, if we're a greedy and a selfish pers- person and we get more cash money, what it's going to do is it's going to highlight, it's going to underscore, it's going to spotlight our greed and our selfishness. In other words, right, we don't have to have a lot of money in order to be a greedy or selfish person. I think it's really important for us to understand here um, that if we have very little and we don't give anything away, then we're still as greedy as a rich person who's doing it out of self-interest, right? Same principle applied to to people with two different scenarios. So whether we're rich or we're poor, the Proverbs uh, say to us, right, they're telling us, honor the Lord with your wealth, Honor the Lord. This is a call for all of us, not just the rich, but the poor. And so wealth tells us, idol of wealth, it says, if I am rich, if I obtain more more wealth, right, then I have worth. If I have money or I have the nice house or the the hot spouse or the... All the little things that we, uh, we, we think that, that, that wealth can give us, whatever that is for you, or we drive that new car, right? Then I'll be happy. And the flip side of this, right? If I don't have a lot of money, what's that telling us? I don't have any worth. I'm worthless right? because I don't have the money. That's a bad God to serve because uh, it's disappointing either way you cut it. The gospel says this, though. The gospel says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. 2 Corinthians 8 9. Adam and Eve, they had an entire garden all to themselves, the beginning of creation, and man, they just wanted a little bit more, didn't they, with that fruit tree? So, for example, right, if we're, if we're hoping in, if we're trusting in having more wealth, we're going to be enslaved by that hope. We will be under its power. And if we're not doing well with getting more money, what happens to us? Disappointed. Our idol fails us. And, and what happens if we do get what we want? What if we get the, the money? Well, when is ever enough, right? When's enough for us? So the gospel, right, it it confronts the idol of wealth and it makes us able to give generously. We try to justify ourselves by how much we make, the price tag on our clothes, uh, of how much we have saved. But the, the gospel says I'm worth way more than my paycheck. That in Christ, right, God gave up everything so that I could gain what he lost. I love how an old hymn puts it. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. Anybody know that hymn? 
I cannot give an answer, but that's what he's, he's done in his gospel. That's good news. The third idea we find this morning is prosperity. Prosperity is um, success, right? Prosperity is, I think the best way to put prosperity in this case is, prosperity is the Midas touch. And I don't mean the auto place, if you're thinking about the auto place. Um, it's the Midas touch, though, you know, uh, that, that, that ancient myth of having that, like, golden hand where whatever you touch, right, it turns to gold. Whatever undertaking you take up, right, you have success, you have prosperity, the best thing happens wherever you go. So verse 3, it says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So, so you'll, you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Um, verse 3 is really interesting, and I want to I tell you why. Um, all the Bible is interesting, so don't mishear me. Okay? I'm not, it's not necessarily more interesting than verse 2. or just, But it's interesting. I want to say why. So this verse was actually used by uh, Jewish rabbis to literally tie God's commandments around their neck and on their forehead, right? And you imagine a little rabbi walking around with a little, you know, Bible verse imprinted on his forehead. That's really funny, right? Um, And that's not what it's saying. Um, The true meaning of this verse is that God wants us to, to be so steeped in his word, to be so aware of his word that it is as if it's, you know, printed on our forehead. It's as if it's slapped around our neck. Um, as if they're bound around our neck. And his word is written inside of our, the, the, the very depths of our heart. And so as we, as we memorize, as we meditate on God's word, as we internalize his, his scriptures, that each verse, right, uh, uh, we, we, we begin to, to pray these verses back to God. We begin to kind of bleed scripture in a way. Um, and... and, and we're reminded through the, the use of Scripture of God's constant love for us. That's totally different than wearing Bible verses externally. Like we're trying to show off rather than God showing us, reminding us of His love for us and His Word. But, okay, verse 4. Uh, the words favor and success, and we see this before God and men, right? That's having a good reputation. So finding favor with God and having good success and having a great reputation with, your, uh, with other people around you, right? Think of all of the unique ways we can make any of those things into an idol. I can do it really easily. Um, I'm a professional idol maker. John Calvin once said, um, a, a theologian in the uh, 16th century, he, he once said, uh, you know, our heart is a factory of idols. We literally churn out idols one after another, after another, after another. That's what we do. We're really good at it. We can make anything into an idol. And so I want to ask, what, is, what does success look like to you? As you're, as you're reflecting this week, maybe in your community groups, what, is, what does success look like to you? What life scenario would make you say the words, I've made it, I have arrived, right? What scenario is that? What does it look like? 
Um, whether it's having a, a certain amount of kids or having the right spouse or having the bigger house or getting the job promotion or starting with a new career path or obtaining a healthy body or excelling at some point or another, right? Well, there's all these different ways, all these different scenarios. But if that scenario is not Jesus the Christ, if that idol does not have the name of Jesus, instead of giving us life, it's going to take life away. I promise you that when you finally get what you want, whatever success that is, whatever that looks like, and you're at the top of that success, or you have that success, or you obtain that success, right? you're going to feel empty and void because it's not Jesus. Only Jesus will satisfy our hearts. Uh, Tim Keller says this, he says, you can believe in God yet still trust something else for your real significance and happiness, which is therefore your real God. And he goes on to say this. He says, we hide how we do this from ourselves, and it's only when something goes wrong with, say, your career or your family that you realize it's more important than you, uh, to you than the Lord himself. It's just, wow. <laughs> the truth hurts, right? Like, ah. Oh. Yep, that's an idol. Yep, that is an idol. Yep, that one too. And we can get so caught up worshiping the gift rather than the giver himself. But let's listen to how this proverb begins and how it ends again. Let's, let's, let's hear this. Verses 1 and 2. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. And then it finishes... The end of the chapter, or not the end of the chapter, sorry, the end of our, our passage. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Verse 11. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Life is really complicated. It's complex. Even though it's true that God might be blessing us in some way right now, right? In this season, maybe it's with, with good health that you have or a good amount of wealth or a decent amount of success in some area. It's also true that God might send us the reverse. We might be met with the opposite of either of these things. So he might allow for the bad health or uh, the non-accumulation of wealth or a failure. We might have failure in our lives in some area. And everything, right, every earthly joy, earthly blessing, and every earthly sorrow comes by the hand of God. Um, I want you right now, with, with the closing verses still in your mind, still thinking about these, these last few verses, I want you to think and turn your attention to Jesus. Think about Jesus. Because Jesus is the true son of Proverbs. He is I, thy true son. Luke, Luke 2, 52, he says, uh, Luke says, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and man. Luke is thinking of this proverb and he's thinking about Jesus as fulfilling that proverb. He is the exact imprint of this proverb. Um, he's perfectly able to reconcile both parties, God and man. 
And Jesus never forgot God's teaching in the Torah or the law. Our proverb, it speaks in verse 1 of, of keeping my commandments. Right? We read that in verse 1. Uh, verse 3, it talks about those tablets. What are those references to? Anybody know? The law of Moses. Yeah, the law of Moses. Um, the Mosaic law. And when, so when God delivered the Torah to Israel for, for them to keep all of it, right? We were supposed to connect the dots here and see that Jesus is the true one, the true Israel who obeyed every single law and rule in the Torah. Right? He deserved all the promises that are promised here in Proverbs for obedience that the law gives. And guess what? Jesus still died in his 30s. Truth. Um, Jesus suffered on the cross. As the Apostle Paul, uh, Peter sorry, puts it, he received the chastisement of us all, but by his wounds we are healed um, because he was disciplined in our place. Because he lived so we can live, we have been healed, and that's good news. And Jewish rabbis, I want to talk about this for a second. Jewish rabbis would, would use this passage, right, to teach that painful sufferings visit those who do not examine their own conduct. Think about this for a second. So an Old Testament text that, that they quoted comes from Psalm 94 saying, Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law. And that's no mystery, right? Um, Job's miserable counselors, they told him uh, when he was experiencing great suffering, great tragedy in his life. Um, Job, you know, if, if you were not a sinner, if you didn't do that one thing when you were 10, you know, it wouldn't be happening to you. Um, that sounds like the prosperity gospel, doesn't it? A little bit. And this rule, it, it comes from Proverbs itself. Chapter 3, verse 12. Um, there are two ancient texts we can interpret this one from. One's uh, called the, the Masoretic Text. It's where we get the Hebrew version uh, uh, that reads, As a father corrects the son in whom he delights. And then there's another uh, translation, the Septuagint, the Greek translation, which translates and chastises everyone whom he accepts. And the Greek version is consistent with the Jewish rabbis and what they taught, so it's probably the most accurate translation. Meaning, the father causes the son pain and suffering. Now, we know that from the life of Jesus right, and death of Jesus, that this idea about suffering because of some sin that that person has is completely false. Not only do we see somebody who is without sin experience suffering, but we see that a person who was 100% righteous, right, in everything that he ever did, he obeyed every single jot and tittle of God's law, and yet he still experienced excruciating suffering. In fact, if you experience suffering, in other words, as a righteous sufferer, Suffering does not mean that God does not love you. I want you to understand that. It doesn't mean that, that God does not love you. In fact, if you experience it, it might mean that he does. 
He held back no pain from Jesus so we could have his blessing and not his cursing. I think parents, as uh, parents understand this more than anybody else. As we're talking about our kids and thinking about how to, how to raise our kids, when we have a disagreement um, with our child or our teenager, okay, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of a parent, whether that's current or it's again, you know, going back, backwards a little bit or it's going forwards in time to one day. Um, but, but just imagine that, right? When you have a disagreement with your, with your teenager, um, you, you're going to or you always let them do what they want, right? No, uh, of course not. Uh, there are times that you have to say to them, right, this is not a democracy, right? You have, like, you have to put your foot down. I'm the parent, right? I know what's best for you. And sure, I know you want to watch TV till midnight, uh, but you have school tomorrow, or, and I know it's not good for you to eat all those donuts right now, right? Um, so you're going to bed. Uh, and, and is the parent mean and cruel? Well, to the teenager, yes. But is the parent actually cruel for doing that? No. It's love that motivates the parent to put the foot down and say, I, I got to do what's best for you. The author of Hebrews also quotes from Proverbs 3 and, and uses it to encourage Christians. In Hebrews chapter 12, he tells the, these believers that with respect to whatever present dis- difficulties and the hardships that they're facing, they should see that this hardship is God's loving hand that is training them in righteousness, guiding them in righteousness. That it's a tender parental love. It's not punishment. Far from it, it's true love. It's a kind of love that the, 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 the true children of the Father experience. Um, in 2 Thessalonians, Apostle Paul, he says, he encourages believers also saying, their sufferings are proof, right? They're evidence saying that they're worthy of the kingdom of God. I want to close with this. You might feel right now that you have weak hands and super fragile and feeble knees. That might be you right now. You might feel that way. You might be that way. And so you're, you're discouraged and you're down. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're just feeling bad. Maybe God is giving you more than you can handle right now, so you feel really burdened. And you're tired, you're exhausted, you're weary, you're feeling burnt out. And if that's you today, I want you to hear this. God says in Christ, son, daughter, I love you. That's what he's saying this morning. My child. You are worth so much to me that I did not even spare my own son for you. So endure that suffering or hardship because it's going to be okay. God's saying, I'm I'm taking care of it. Press on. Let's pray.